Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What is up, football fans? I am Danny Austin. This is the Live from the 55 podcast. We are broadcasting from the Nation Network Studios in Marterloop, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Middle of a fun week. Great week. It's heating up again here in Calgary. Got very cold. Uh, not that cold. Saw people saying that the it was so cold that it was affecting the play on the field, like Man Stadium on Friday night. That was not true. It was like eight degrees, guys. Like, relax. That's perfect football weather. Um, but yeah, here we are, guys. It's uh, been a fun week for me. A little bit of a different week. Had my parents in town, so you know, went to the mountains. I went out to my family's buffalo ranch, uh, my aunt's buffalo ranch. Yesterday, we picked up a great. It's finally time. We picked up a charcuterie board from Fraser and Fig. I can post a picture of it. I, I should. I should have already done that. Put it on social media. You know we love Fraser and Fig. Our sponsors here have been a long time. A couple months since I'd had one of their charcuterie boards. They are as good as I always say they are. I don't lie. Why would I lie? Um, but yeah, had a great charcuterie board. Went perfectly. We did a sort of whole Texas barbecue uh, with with buffalo from my aunt's ranch. Just absolutely delightful. Um, yeah, and now here we are. Now I'm looking forward, taking a look at what we got. In terms of the rest of the week on the CFL schedule, busy one. We got Montreal at Winnipeg on Thursday. We got Calgary at Toronto on Friday. Uh, my hometown team versus the team I cover. That's always a fun one for me. And then Hamilton at BC. You know, I, uh, I'd i say that that's not much of a game, except I confidently picked the Lions on last week's podcast. I think even Saturday's podcast. Uh, I picked them again, and, you know, I was wrong. So, who knows? This is the CFL. Anything can happen. Good on the riders for beating them. The uh, riders really showed me something there. Count me as impressed. Um, yeah. And then after that, you got Ottawa at Edmonton. Edmonton at home. They're on a one-game winning streak. Who knows? Maybe it's a two-game winning streak. Carrying us into the Labor Day game. That would be a lot of fun. Get their first win at home. Ah, that's whatever. That's a good slate of games. It's a fun slate of games. Uh, lots of East-West. Every one of them is an East-West game. And a lot of us know the East has been significantly improved this season. CFL sent out something. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, and I'm not just going to stare at my computer. I try not to do that. Um, but, yeah, the East has been given given the West a run for its money this week, this year. So, fun week ahead. Lots to talk about. We got Ryan Ballantyne. He's a regular guest here from Three Down Nation. He's from Calgary. I don't know. He's got, uh, he's got the Ghost Stamps Go podcast. He brings that energy, that enthusiasm. It's what I want on a week like this one where truthfully I wasn't at Sam's practice because I was uh, busy doing other things, busy entertaining and enjoying the company of my parents. It was so, 
exciting to have them in town, um, get around, as I said. So, yeah, they were at their first game at Man Stadium on Friday. I recorded early Saturday morning. And then we we sort of got around, showed them Alberta in late August. It's hard to beat. Um, but other than that, I mean, the CFL sent out a press release this morning celebrating um, celebrating their achievements so far in the season. And look, I'm sure a lot of you guys are expecting me to be cynical here. Um, some of it is pretty funny to me, so you're not entirely wrong. Um, there's this big looming thing over everything when I talk about the season, which is there's no operating stat system, and it continues to make the partnership with Genius Sports look worse and worse. Worse. Said that wrong. Either way, look, the Genius Sports thing is its own separate issue. Obviously, the CFL didn't say, oh, well, all this stuff's going well, but, you know, Genius Sports, what a, what a nightmare. And I don't know if it is a nightmare. That's just me basically looking at the CFL's website and saying, hi, hey, I wish that I could tell you how a player was doing this year compared to last year, or I wish I could go back to 2016 and, and add up all the receiving yards and tell you where DeVaris Daniels was in terms of active receivers or in terms of receiving yards since 2016. It seemed to be, to be a, an interesting way of covering the league, but we can't do it. Hopefully Genius gets it fixed. I have no confidence that they will. But anyways, yeah, there were there's some interesting stuff in there. You know, the CFL highlighted the growth that they are seeing in Toronto, BC, and Montreal. They said average game day revenue for those three markets is up 26% year over year through week 10. Now look, they're obviously adding the three markets together, so I have no idea. Like maybe that, that's the combination. Um, I don't think that's the average. That's not what they're saying. They're just saying if you add those three markets up, we, we know that BC has seen ton of growth under its new ownership i think a lot of us are excited by what we're seeing um in vancouver after there being some some lean years there so uh i have no idea maybe bc's covering it up but you know maybe you know there are marginal gains in toronto where people are spending money uh when they get to the stadium that's an exciting team they won the gray cup there's all sorts of reasons and you know i certainly am feeling the energy in in montreal i gotta tell you i wish uh i tell the story a lot but i will say that the best regular season atmosphere that i have ever seen and people don't believe me when i say this but in i would i believe it would have been 2019 that the alouettes had just sort of just gotten hot and the stampeders went into montreal always a tough place for the stampeders to play and man like the crowd was so young um they were all as it got dark they were all holding up their phones with the lights completely unprompted not asked you know not 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 told to do that by by the fans and it was just awesome it was uh it was really cool and i i do think that montreal is one of those cities where you give them a winner and they show up so yeah i i do think like i, I can be cynical about that and say huh well you know the game day revenue is up 26 percent in those three but then across the league the overall the overall game day revenues are only up 2.3 percent. so what does that say about what's happening in the rest of the league but I can just sort of say that and, and, and move on because ultimately uh, it does matter that hopefully the, the cumulative uh, impact of, of having good teams in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver is helping out those markets. And hopefully that, you know, that, that raises up the rest of us. I think obviously most of us know, I mean, Edmonton and Calgary, we've seen pretty big declines in uh, attendance. Ottawa hasn't been selling out. Um, you know, it can't be helping that the season Hamilton's having there. Um, so what are we another luck? The fact that overall, Game day revenues are still up 2.3%. I don't know if that's consistent with inflation, but hey, we hear a lot of doom and gloom about this league. And uh, it is good news to hear that there's still ultimately been uh, growth. So just hearing from Ryan Ballantyne here, uh, <laughs> he was buying an iPad. So he is going to hop on when he has 
purchase that iPad. I hope he's not buying the iPad for life on the 55. You know, we're really proud and excited about what we're doing here, but we're growing. You know, our overall pod day revenue is, is up. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, Ryan doesn't need to buy a new iPad for this. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, anyways, you also got one of the other points that the CFO made was that they're getting a ton more digital engagement. Um, you know, 30% up on social media, 11%, more views on the CFL website, uh, the YouTube page up 10%. Uh, and, and that's, that's great. And apparently, you know, the waggle CFL podcast, shout out them. We're all friends here in this podcasting world. I, I hope, um, no, I said, I hope, I don't think those guys, I don't think we got beef. We don't got beef with any podcasts. Shout out all the other CFL podcasts for trying to make this work. Um, but yeah, apparently those more people listen to that and, uh, <laughs> more fans are, Flocking to the CFL's revamped and redesigned game zone. Taking part in the league's interactive gaming experience with an increase of 179% through week 11. I don't know what that means. Um, look, guys, if you're enjoying the game zone, cheers to you. That's, that's great news. Um, I have absolutely nothing more to add to that. I have not been on the CFL game zone this season. I am not a, a gamer. Um, weirdly, I was not included in... Uh, any fantasy leagues this year. So I don't know what's wrong with my friends. What have I done? Um, anyways, that's that looking ahead of the week ahead. I mean, Montreal versus Winnipeg. I have a hard time picking any of the other games this week as, as being sort of my one to highlight and one to watch. Uh, obviously the bombers didn't look particularly good. That offense didn't look great, but you know, you're hoping Zach's back. Uh, this week, that Winnipeg team at home is formidable, but as I've said many times, I like the way Montreal fights. Um, I know that there was debate, uh, did Ottawa collapse or did Montreal sort of come storming back? And I, I tend to lean towards Montreal coming storming back. Um, I like that football team. I think this is a big challenge for them, uh, but they're six and three. And, you know, the Bombers are in two. The Bombers remain, it's tough. The Argos obviously, currently are seven and one they played less games than pretty much everyone else they had a lot of bye weeks this this summer but i still have a hard time not treating the bombers as sort of like you're the test you if you can beat the bombers i think you're legit and that's not to say that if you beat the argos i don't um stamps are the only team to beat the argos but you go into winnipeg with the run that they're on with the experience that they're having i think that that team is certainly defensively getting better by the week and yeah i i think that's a that's a Nice, fun. That's a show me game for the Alouettes. If the Alouettes pull that one out, guys, the East is is going to be just such a dogfight coming down uh, the rest of the season. Especially, you know, the Argos should beat Hamilton both of the Labor Day games. Um, let's let me make sure there. Yeah, try out Hamilton. Okay, I guess there aren't two Labor Day games for Hamilton and Toronto. Um, I think the fact that they played four games in five weeks last year got me a little bit confused there, but. Um, who cares? Either way, Montreal, Winnipeg, that's a great game. Um, Winnipeg really feels like they are growing into this season and getting better by the week, and they scare me. I, I, I Maybe they don't scare me quite as much as they did uh, last year, but or the year before, or two years before that. Um, but, look, I watched them play Calgary, and, and ultimately, you know, did they do much on offense? No, but that defense is so opportuni opportunistic. They, they grind on you. They're in your face. Jake Mayer just talked about how you know they tip so many balls off the D-line. Uh, it's good. It's, it, it's a good team. And I think that's going to be a tough challenge for Montreal. But I'm not ruling them out of any game. Montreal has earned my respect and my admiration. Uh, Friday, 
Calgary, Toronto. I've got Ryan on. Ryan's obviously a Calgary-based guy, huge, huge stamps guy. So we're going to talk a lot about this game. But, you know, I did I do think it's worth noting. A, stamps beat Toronto earlier in the season. I know Chad Kelly got hurt, but I have maintained Chad Kelly other than one pass, which is broken coverage. I don't think Chad Kelly was exactly ripping the stamps apart before he got hurt. So, you know, this one to me is, is the stamps have a, have a chance here. And um, I'm just going to read you this. This is from the stamps press release. Uh, since a 39-36 loss at Rogers Center on July 7th, 2012, more than 11 years ago, the Stamps have won eight straightaway games against the Double Blue. The victory is coming in three different venues. They won at the Sky Dome, Rogers Center. They won at the Sky Dome. Uh, they won one at Tim Hortons Field, where apparently there was a scheduling conflict. That's before my time. Uh, and then they've obviously won a bunch of BMO. So, you know, the Stamps, this is just a, one of those facts. You know, the Stamps have a terrible time in Montreal. I have a great time in Toronto. I, I've covered every one of those games since 2016. Uh, my first ever CFL road trip was a Thanksgiving weekend game uh, in in Toronto, and you know they've they've really really played well there. Obviously, with the exception of a certain great cup, but I I understand the frustrations. Of the Stampeders' offense is not scoring touchdowns. Uh, we're still waiting for Jake Mayer to really click, but I don't know. Something about the way these two teams play each other. Something about the, just the coaches knowing each other inside and out. Uh, I I tend to think that the Stampeders have a better chance against the Argos than most. And despite all of the negativity, you know, I had Ryan Ballantyne on. We're going to have it on again uh, at the end of July. And we talked about this brutal August, which was Toronto, then BC, then Winnipeg, Toronto. And he said there's a good chance they're going to lose all four. They've already won one. Then they've lost against BC and Winnipeg, but they did beat Toronto. They happen to come out of this month, 500. I know it looks bad. I know that things aren't quite clicking, but you can't complain about that August. If they come out having beaten Toronto twice, even if they lost against Winnipeg uh, in BC, I'm not saying that that convinces you that they're a great cup contender or that they're going to win a playoff game, but that that's not bad um, for a team that we know is not in that sort of elite tier right now. That That to me represents progress. That to me represents a reason for optimism. You know, that said... Saskatchewan being PC means the Stamps have their work cut out for them for the rest of the season. Uh, so let's see it. At this point, that's what it's about. You know, we've seen the Stamps make mistakes and kill themselves. We've seen them stay too conservative and, and get beat. It's time for them to find that balance. We're almost at Labor Day, guys. You know, if the season truly starts at Labor Day. Now's the time that they have to show it. We're, we're running out of time for them to, you know, still be a work in progress. After that, Hamilton at BC. Let's not kid ourselves. I, I don't know what the line is. I don't gamble. I don't bet, but I would take whatever the line is on, on the Lions here. I, I don't understand how they're alternating between losing to Winnipeg badly, beating Calgary, and then I didn't like that loss for them against the Riders, although I, I really did think that the Riders showed me uh, a lot that game. I was impressed with the Riders. Um, but the Lions should. I don't care who's playing. Lions should beat the, the Ticats right now. Um, Lions are a good team. The Ticats are not. And finally, Ottawa at Edmonton. I'm saying it. I'm calling it. Edmonton wins the first game at home. Snaps the losing streak. Maybe gets people in Edmonton thinking. Guys, let's say you're having a party. Let's say you're having a picnic. Let's say you're having any occasion. I've got to talk to you about Fraser and Fig. Because I love these guys. Here in Martin Loop, a couple storefronts down from our studio here. Fraser and Fig, man. These guys do these delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie boxes. You know, they're made with all these fresh artisanal ingredients. On-demand grazing. Pickup, delivery. 
You got it. Just let them know what you want. They will get it to you. Honestly, I'm such a big fan. I had a picnic a little while ago. I brought one of their curated boxes and it was a huge hit. I looked great. People loved it. We're hungry. They weren't hungry anymore. These ready to go boxes. They got them in four sizes. All their boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. Their selections vary from month to month. Choices are always new. You know, just because they've had one doesn't mean you've had them all. I love Fraser and Fig. I love having them as a sponsor. They're the best. Make sure you check them out. Tell them by from the 55 sent you. All right. You know them. You love them. Ryan Valentine. He, uh, I believe you drove across the province over the lot or the province of British Columbia. You have arrived safely in Nanaimo. You yes. are, you did not buy an iPad just for me. I, I, I questioned no. that during the intro. It would have meant a lot to me if you did. <laughs> yeah, it would have let it meant a lot to me too, because uh, they're not cheap. Uh, but fortunately, the uh, good folks at Rogers um, allow you to finance an iPad over a couple of years on the tablet plan. So that's what I've done. I got a new iPad Pro just uh, waiting for me inside. I got to go sign some paperwork once I'm done here. That's amazing. It would have set like a really high standard for guests if you just. Well, yeah, every, no, time, it, it, every time you came on the show, which is like fairly regularly, you just got a new. Bought iPad. you an iPad? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the thing is, it's supposed to be the guests that get gifts for being on the show. That like sponsors are supposed to provide things to give to your guests. Um, it, it's not normally guests that bring gifts. For the host i have said many times you are part of the crew that is going to come in and have a fraser and fig charcuterie board with me <laughs> bender cammy kapke and busby um so you know that's my gift to you i i try that's, that's a good crew that's a good yes. crew i accept um but here we are it is it is week 12 the calgary stampeders so there's a train no problem it's good it's good radio it's yeah. good radio um Calgary Stampeders are three and seven. I, I brought this up. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is great. Um, this is exactly what we wanted. Yep, perfect. Um, Hold on, I'm gonna let's see if I can find the car uh, quickly and sit in the car and do this very quick interview um, while the train continues to honk its way through the Nimo. Yeah, I don't mind it at all. I'm shocked that this oh, doesn't happen. Apparently, it's done at the intersection. So okay, good. Uh, I've been told so we shouldn't get any more honking. Perfect. So it's week well, twelve, and then you had a question for me. Going into August, I brought this up on the intro. You said you were, you were, relatively maybe not expecting, but acknowledging the possibility of the Stampeders losing all four of their August games to Toronto, BC, Winnipeg, and Toronto. So far, they're one for three, which is is better. Where are you at heading into? into week 12 well it's still a situation where the stampeders need to win games after august you need to start in labor day and you need to put together a long win streak if you want to have a chance of making the playoffs i still think given what's going on i mean hamilton losing to edmonton means that it's even more possible that six or seven wins makes you a playoff team in the league this year um and i think the stampeders can get there in the back half of the season especially when you've when you're playing Edmonton twice, you play Edmonton twice, you play Saskatchewan once you need to win all three of those games at least, and then pick up one or two more wins the rest of the way. And that'll be enough to get you into the playoffs this year. I still, despite what Saskatchewan did, I still don't believe in them being a better team uh, than, than their record is indicated. Whereas with the stamps, you have two overtime losses and a, and a loss to Winnipeg in which Rene Paredes missed two field goals. Um, like, beating the Lions is not 
nothing, right? Like that's not nothing. No, it's not nothing. But holding Winnipeg's offense to no touchdowns is not nothing either. You know, Drew Brown came in and scored 39 points unanswered against the Elks a week ago in one half. It's not like he's a slouch as a quarterback. And the Stampeders defense did their work to do everything they could. And if the Stampeders offense hadn't thrown a pick six, you don't, you, you're a win. That's a and win I, I against that, that's, kind of, that's an important point because I think that when the Stamps beat the Argos, we heard a lot of, well, they didn't have Chad Kelly. And that's fine. Right. But I mean, I had, I had Darren bombing and I'm not calling anyone out. I hung out with Winnipeg reporters. They were all pretty convinced. Like they were saying, look, Drew Brown can beat, beat the Stampeders. So yes. the fact that he went out, I mean, I, I, the fact that you have to give the Stampeders credit for what they did against Drew Brown. Um, Absolutely. Because he was being treated as the real deal going into that game. So both things cannot be true. It cannot be true that Drew Brown is the real deal. And then the stamp, but the Stampeders were not going to give them any credit for the defensive performance they had. You know, you can decide, oh, well, after that game, we've just decided Drew Brown is trash. But yeah. if we're going to walk around and we're going to hear out of Winnipeg that Drew Brown is going to get a starting quarterback contract next year, well, then the Stamps beat or the Stamps held two no touchdowns and, and what, 11 points in the end? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, they, they would have they would have given up 12. They would have given up 12 points, three uh, or four field goals, and that's it. And so if, if that happens, then you're in a situation where the Stampeders defense did everything they could to hold Winnipeg's offense out of the end zone and, and did so very successfully. Um, you know, and, and think too, some of those, some of those field goals were substantially like just stupid penalty aided, you know, that, that one roughing the passer call when he was already out of bounds, you know, you take that away and the Stamps win. There's, there's so many ways that the Stampeders win that game on, on the weekend. If they just don't make stupid mistakes um, or the wind doesn't wreak havoc with Rene Paredes's field goal, you know, uh, the one field goal hit, the upright, it, it died and then turned before it hit the upright and stays out. And the other one just on the outside of the of the post. I mean, either one of those scores and they win the game. So it, it's very um, it's very much that the Stampeders are a victim of circumstance. I think this year you have three pick sixes, all of which were impacted in one score games. Um, you know, and, and I get that those plays happen. And if they didn't happen, maybe something else would happen. But it's very easy to look at the Stampeders and think this is a team that their record could be flipped very quickly, and it wouldn't surprise anybody to see them winning those games instead of losing them. And I mean, I I largely agree with you while also thinking that like at some point the mistakes become a feature and not a bug. Yeah. Uh, and now I, I will say that, um, and I'm not trying to pick on him because mistakes are made all over the field, and I, I often tell the story of asking a Stampeder coach about Kamar Jordan's fumble in the 2017 Grey Cup. And he had been like, honestly, like, I don't put the game on on KJ. And I was like, well, it was the per-. And he was like, no, man, I'm a coach. There were 100 mistakes that happened that could have turned that right. game. Just right. the most visible mistake is not the problem. But, like, the reality is Luther Hackenavano should have caught that touchdown pass yeah, absolutely. And, and walked it in 10 yards, right? And, I mean, that yeah. was the mistake that, that really stood out to me. I mean, Trey Roberson dropped a pick. But, like, you know, that's a pretty, like, go-go play. And he just, the ball, he's not even. If Luther catches that ball, it gives the offense confidence as well. It gives the offense some sort of swagger that Dave Dickinson said after the game that his team is missing. You know, the ability to get in and score, to prove that you can get to it. You know, if if you can do that, then 
then you're good to go. You know, I, I don't understand this, this kind of, you know, they keep waiting for one big play to be the play that moves them forward. And I mean, what happens if they come out and beat Toronto again this weekend? You know, if they come out and beat Toronto again, where do you rank a Stampeders team that's beaten the only team that hasn't lost anybody else, but has, but can't, you know, struggles to win against Ottawa? It's, it's incredibly, it's, it's a maddeningly inconsistent result that I don't know we shouldn't have expected with a relatively young team. Well, no, but it is the thing that when you're, and I can only speak as a, as a reporter here. Yeah, of course. When I'm covering a team that's winning, that a truism of, of good teams find a way to win and, and good teams win when they're playing badly. Like, yeah. I, I really do believe, and I think that we saw that a little bit in the Bombers. Like, Demirio mm-hmm. Houston recognizes that play, is knows to go for it. You know, if he misses that ball somehow, you know, that, that, that could be a big game for the Stamps. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he knows to go for it and has that confidence. That, that's why Demirio Houston is Demirio Houston. Um, and I do think that, like I saw from the Bombers, it's like, look, in pretty difficult, you're away from home, you're against a defense that's playing well, they're shutting down your quarterback. The Bombers, to their credit, took advantage in the moment, and, and the Stamps did. And I think that that's what separates, for me, I will say the Bombers and the Argos. The Lions losing to the Riders, and now they've lost two of their last three. Yes, they killed the Stamps, but they got crushed by the Bombers. I'll be honest with you that it, it's a quite clear Toronto-Winnipeg with BC number three, and then another big drop-off to sort of Montreal. Yes. Although Montreal can, can change that. But for me, like, it's why I have to have the Bombers right now as, as the favorites in the West. They just – they. They can do this. They've been there, done that. And we continue to see them be there and do that. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's how Calgary looked for the better part of 30 years. You know, <laughs> yeah. so, so it, it's, it's fairly easy to recognize the Bombers doing exactly the same thing, which is winning games they shouldn't and, and getting it done and, and getting that big play. I mean, let's not forget, we talk about the, the dropped interception from Trey Roberson, but Brandon Dozier broke on a ball that would have been a pick six as well. And just happened to drop it. And instead of, you know, if Demario Houston drops that ball, Calgary wins. If Brandon Dozier catches that ball, Calgary wins. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things to keep them close, which is why it's so in it's which is why it's so frustrating to watch this team this year, because they beat Toronto. They should have beat Winnipeg. Now they weren't in the either game against BC. Um, they weren't in either of those two games, but they should have beat Winnipeg and they've already beaten Toronto. If they beat Toronto again, you've got Winnipeg at the end of the season in a, in a week where they're likely to be resting their starters. So, you know, then you are you going to beat Winnipeg then? And are you the team that that beat Toronto at least once and beat Winnipeg at least once? And where are you headed into the playoffs? So, I mean, there's no reason a team can't get hot and run deep. Um, you know, we've seen it before, uh, both in Calgary and other places. And I think I think until we get... You know, talk to me two weeks after Labor Day and tell me what the record is and where they are in the playoff picture right then. Because Saskatchewan's not going anywhere on the Labor Day weekend. They're going to get killed by Winnipeg twice. And so add two losses there. We'll see where the what the playoff picture looks like between Calgary and Saskatchewan after the Labor Day and, and rematch weekends. So Edmonton, their considerable improvement in play with Trey Ford at quarterback. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying Trey Ford has come in and lit it up, but I think that the team as a whole has played better over the last two games, including getting a win. Um, not the most impressive win, but a win nonetheless. 
you are where is your confidence level at on a Stan Peters team that has had some ups and downs, that has certainly at times looked like they don't have big plays in them? How confident are you in a back-to-back sweep for the Stampeders over the Labor Day games? Very. I think that's fair to say. I think Edmonton yeah. wins again this week. Um, I picked them to win this week against Ottawa to end that home uh, that home losing streak. Uh, those well. one, two in a row. I think they'll feel pretty good about themselves, um, and they'll come into Calgary with maybe a little more confidence than they should. Um, this this team has shown the capability of being able to throw big passes and throw big plays. They did it against Ottawa, scored 41 points. They haven't done much since, but they've shown themselves capable. You've now also added since that game, you've added uh, uh, Marquis Ambles into the mix, a guy that knows the Calgary system and is comfortable in that Calgary system. So I think the receiving core is getting better by the week and getting more and more chemistry with, with Jake Mayer. Um, I think they're very possibly going to be able to, uh, to, to make, to do some damage here in the second half. And I think, I think Jake will be able to build that chemistry with guys and, and, and get it in there. When you look at the receiving core this year, it's guys in and out and in and out and playing in different positions every week. It's no wonder Jake Mayer is not developing chemistry with them. You know, it's not like these guys have played together for four or five years and we're wondering what happened. You know, you've still got Jake in his first full year as a starter. You know, like I, I don't know how much more people were expecting from him in this situation. Well, I think that people had quite high expectations because he started his CFL career so strongly. Um, I, I do think that he started incredibly strongly. Um, yes. And, and I think that that set expectations very high. And I, I don't think he has met those expectations certainly in terms of um of accuracy i i the mistakes are there and but i will also add that i and again i i hate doing this but i i, I don't think that the left and right tackle positions have been particularly strong on the offensive line oh and no I, think, I agree with you too jake hasn't think, had a lot of time but at the same time he doesn't handle that pressure very also well. lead the league and drop passes so i mean if jake's accuracy isn't there it's jake accuracy that takes the hit when a Stampeder receiver drops a pass. And that happened frequently on in that game against Winnipeg. I can think of three or four catastrophic drops for the Stampeders team that cost them points. And, and you know, every, every single one of those is the difference between a win and a loss in a one-point game. So the, when, you're, when you're leading the league and drop passes, it's hard to be the quarterback that's showing out, you know, when, when receivers aren't catching the balls they're supposed to. I don't. I, I don't disagree. Um, and I, I do think that when it comes to the pressure that he's been under, I mean, I think that that was particularly noticeable in the BC game. Um, yeah. In, in in that game, and and look, that BC, <laughs> that's a that's a heck that of a D line's pretty good. That D line's pretty good, and and they clearly made it a priority to sort of get on top of him. Um, I've just noted that you know, for all the frustrations with the Stamps not pushing the ball down deep in that game, and I I've I've given you credit on this podcast. You you pointed out those little screen passes, how frustrating they are. But the reality is also, as I was watching that game, I was like, Jake doesn't have three seconds to drop back in the pocket, look down no. and do it. He's, he's having to get no. the ball out so quickly. And so like that is, is it a play calling issue? Is it a pressure issue? Is it a Jake Mayer issue? I, I, I don't know. Um, but I mean, I'm, I've, I've said this a million times. I actually like, this is the most I've ever felt like the way that Stampeders fans are reacting to something does not align with how I'm reacting. Because I right. like I I feel it's these have been some very natural struggles for Jake for a young quarterback 
I, and I do think that that I, I'm I'm not throwing in the towel on, on Jake Mayer by any means. I, I still have confidence yeah. in him being able to emerge as a sort of as viable starting quarterback for this team. And I think that expectations were set too high. Um, well, and, and again, you had good Jones and you had Dennis, two of the best tackles in the league last year. You know, Dennis was the Stamps nominee for most outstanding linemen. And Julian Goodjones is in the NFL now. You know, so so put put those two caliber tackles and and any any move to the tackles would be a downgrade. Now you've got essential rookies trying to find their way in or a sixth guy in Bryce Bell, um, who has played admirably, but he's the sixth guy. He's not supposed to be starting. So, you know, I, I think when you put everything together, it's a matter of getting healthy. The Stamps are second in the league in man games lost to injury. Um, their receivers aren't doing their quarterbacks any favors when they do get the ball. Um, and they've, they've had some, un, some unfortunate mistakes, whether it be missed field goals or, or pick sixes that have cost them games. I think this team is very capable of beating any team right now. Uh, they just have to be able to put it all together and have a, a pretty mistake-free uh, mistake free week. Yeah, and I will also note that that man games, and I don't just want this to be a make excuses for the St. Peter's podcast, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but when you say that man games due to injury, I, there's you know maybe genius sports can come up with a way to quantify this, but like those man yeah. games, those man games are Malik Henry, you know the, their top receiver. They yeah. are they are Kadeem Carey, they are Peyton Logan, who was obviously both the returner and a huge part of the plan for the offense. We have Absolutely. not seen Jalen Philpot. There are like there are some really big pieces missing to this offense, and I and I, I do like it's why it's you know I don't again I, I get so self conscious about. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST being too much of a homer but i i, I do think that you know some of these that this, some of these struggles are foreseeable and um you know i i am a believer i am picking the stamps to actually win um in, in toronto in part because they haven't lost since 2012 which Faves uh email said so um you know i i and i just honestly i i liked the way that they played against the argos a couple weeks ago i i know that yeah, Chuck I think Williams. the defense is putting it together. 
Um, it's just whether or not the offense can score enough points to hold off those field goals. Yeah, I do think there's a possibility that it's a, a terrible game. Have you bought in on Montreal? Uh, not yet. Um, I'm, I mean, here, here's the thing with the East. In the East, anything can happen. You know, any anything can anything can happen in the East. Any team could come out of there. I think Toronto's obviously going to win the division, but there's no reason why, you know, a Fajardo Jason Moss team can't somehow avoid their own uh, tendencies and and win uh, an Eastern final. Um, you know, I, I think Montreal is the second best team in the East for me, but I mean that's you know that's not asking a lot uh, with Ottawa and Hamilton and the way they've both played this year. You know, is is it difficult to be the second best team in the East? I think if Calgary were in the East, they'd be the second best team in the East too. You know, it's not that it's not that tough. If you relocated the Stampeders in Montreal, the Stampeders are the second best team in the East. You know, it's, it's the Alouettes really... beat the Stampeders, so I don't. I, I'm not going along with you. This is where right, we yes, re- in overtime, Danny. Overtime over. <laughs> we don't talk about overtime games. Overtime <laughs> games are a coin flip. Um, I, I'm I'm sort of all in uh, on that Alouettes team. I. There, you know, when Dave Dickinson talked about the stamps not having the swagger, I, I, I do think that at the Alouettes do. Absolutely, um, they do. They brought in Sean Lemon. Great choice. Isn't it awesome seeing him just kind of? I, I just want him to. I just want him to pile up, get his hundred, um, and then sign with Hamilton so he can get the Kevin Glenn of defense. It is That's, sort of incredible. Like, two Sean Lemon goals. I like. I have nothing but time for the people I cover, but like, like. I know that Lemon was like, what? Like, look what I did last year. Why am I not getting contract offers? So for him to like sort of just be going out and being like, guys, why didn't you sign me? Look at look at yeah. me. I'm Sean Lemon. Um, it's amazing. And like, it's just, it's also funny. Every game that he plays, you get like the veterans who I, the guys who have retired, all yeah. of his like guys in their mid to late thirties who are like a couple years retired are all so happy for him. They're hyped. They're hyped. They're hyped. Um, yes. And and so am I. So am I. I I I love that dude. He's done my podcast uh, three times now. I think he's fantastic. Um, Sean Lemon for me is is absolutely the guy I will root for over and over and over again. Um, so hopefully he can uh, hopefully he can get his hundred sacks and uh, and then just even sign a one day with the Tie Cats or have Montreal trade him to the Tie Cats before he retires for future considerations, just so he can get his Kevin Glenn uh, become the Kevin Glenn of defense. All right, so we are going to pivot here a little bit. Super appreciate Ryan's time, man. Coming off vacation like that, just to talk stamps. He is always a fountain of optimism, and uh, super appreciate his time. But uh, Ryan obviously had to run, so I texted Ian Busby. Ian Busby said, buddy, I'll be right there. So Ian's going to hop on. We're going to talk some CFL stuff, just go around the league. Uh, I think there is lots to talk about between Edmonton hiring a new interim president. question of who is the worst team in the league right now why not do it um tie cats anyways we got lots to talk about let's get to ian here we go all right ian busby let's just totally acknowledge here uh about 25 (laughs) minutes ago red hot yeah yeah about 25 minutes ago i wrote you and i was like ian um valentine had to cut a little bit short love him for coming on at all super appreciate that uh i was like can you drop by the studio? Sure, yeah, let's do it. Directly from work and yeah. are uh, doing this. I'm so. in between jobs for an hour and a half here, so might, might as well. Yeah, so we'll just do a we'll do a clean <laughs> twenty here. Uh, Ian, we did not have you on this weekend because no. uh, my parents weren't in. I had Eddie Steele stop in, talk to a bunch of folks. It was super fascinating to talk to him. Yeah, 
good episode with Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. I like the uh, perspective that he brought, especially with somebody who's been a player, then in media, then got pushed out of media by circumstances that are ridiculous. And then the circumstances at Edmonton have only gotten worse since exactly. he was there. Um, I will say, and I mean, I don't know how much you've been paying attention. They did hire Rick Lalasher. Rick, Rick Lalasher, which was when I was covering the Stamps way back when he was managing the he was Eskimos. Yeah. yeah. And he was uh, like, this is a great hire. It's back to the old days. It didn't, he gave him an interim tag and in one of those ones where he's in the process of finding and I, I laugh about it. Remember how Paul Beeson came back mm-hmm. to the Toronto Blue Jays and was like, oh, he'll be in charge of finding somebody for the job. Well, maybe Rick Lalisher will find out the right person for the job is Rick Lalisher. So, yeah, no, because I mean, I, he's just been he's been there and done that. And, and he know. was he was with the Lions for four years. Yeah, uh, I think and it was building up that franchise and then they sold it. Right? Well, if we <laughs> like, if we look at that Lions franchise and say, hey, like two, three years ago, you know, basically going into COVID, it, it yeah. felt a little bit hopeless. Um, you know, I, I talked to people who were, had been part of the franchise at one point or another, and I'm not naming them here intentionally. And I had asked them, Hey, like, what can you do to turn around Vancouver? And they said, well, the lions are, are not cool in Vancouver. The people who live yeah. down in that downtown core in whether right. it's, you and know, they had been completely eclipsed Yale, by the white cast down the West end. Yeah. They, they were, like, were they were, they, they weren't even the best team in that building yeah. for a while. And, and those that, people just said that there was no, they, they didn't really see where the hope was. And then that franchise got turned around. Yeah. You know, uh, Rick was obviously there for that. So for me, yeah. I mean, uh, this is a guy who knows the Elks, who cares about the Elks, knows the CFL, cares about the CFL. This guy has a record of success in Edmonton. Yes. Um, and positive it, steps with, they win a game. They feel like, okay, Trey Ford looks like a quarterback that they can build around. And then if they can figure out their coaching situation, whether it's Chris Jones or not, um, but Rick Lalisher being in charge, I think is going to stabilize things and whatever happened with the previous guy that was there, we won't probably get those details for a while, but, and again, moving on, moving forward, they're back to the past, but the past of the Edmonton Eskimo, the double E franchise has always been a one of winning and like the model franchise in the league. I don't think they can change it to, I, I, I think they just got to keep with the community ownership keep on the path. Maybe you have to change board members there because they're, that's the board that has made the decision to bring Chris Jones in for this long period of time and hand him the, the keys to the franchise basically. And it's not gone well on the field, off the field. They're going to, they're going to turn it around and get back to and you know, I, normalcy. I, I think I've been, you know, sometimes I think you need to admit what you don't know. Yeah. And, and the reality is like people are this, this is in the, in the conversation right now. Should the, Elks go private to be honest I I don't know I don't know either what I do know is that you know there's been a lot of success for community-owned teams over the past decade uh, on the field obviously to be honest off the field or like in the stands as well we've seen you know Winnipeg tremendous amount of success now it it needs to be run right and the question is like oh well and that's a badly run private team is that better Better than than a a well-run community team absolutely not no so but at the same time, like, I don't own a professional sports team. I'm actually really, like, I have no idea how any of this stuff works on that, like, corporate, you know, president, board of governors level. Right. So I, I don't have an opinion on it beyond, okay, well, you went in and got a steady hand for an organization that needs a steady hand. Yeah. And what Eddie Steele said, and I, I firmly believe, and this may be more true in Edmonton than almost anywhere else, but Eddie Steele said, he's like, winning is what will bring the fans back. Yes. It'll bring them back quickly. Again. I do not think this is going to happen. So I want to just ask you this question. It's a purely hypothetical. You don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. Let us say that the Edmonton Elks 
snap their home losing streak against the Ottawa Red Blacks. I'm this week. I'm going to put then, money on that to happen. Let us say I always days, lose money on the Alex, but eight days later, they pull off a miracle and beat the Calgary Stampeders, right? The struggling Calgary Stampeders in the Labor Day Classic. They may be in position to go crossover. Would that be enough to get twenty five to thirty thousand in Commonwealth for the Labor Day replay? A three game, yeah, a three game win streak going into the Labor Day replay or chance rematch to like whatever really put the put the nail in the calgary coffin yeah. potentially i'm yeah, not saying I, I think it's gonna happen i really really don't think it's gonna happen no but but that's always been their signature game of the year is mm-hmm. back half of the labor day because anybody who follows the edmonton franchise closely would go down to calgary on monday come back and then experience it and it used to be monday friday which was bizarrely crazy that we just kept doing it for years and years and years stupid and we kept asking it was like why do we do it that way? well we've always done it this way i was like yeah it's a little different than previous whatever yeah. times but that that is their signature game on their calendar other than maybe the rider games and they've already had the rider game so they they're not this is no, the time is for the team to come in and now if they were on a three-game win streak that would be quite the turnaround Owen and Owen nine. I would just be curious. Is that enough winning? Cause I think it might be, I think you'd see a, a nice fun crowd in Edmonton. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, okay. Second question. Okay. I we've done no prep. No, no. Uh, you're just firing away. Are the Hamilton Tiger cats the worst team in the league right now? Uh, probably. I mean, when they, <laughs> when, when you look and they lost Edmonton pretty badly and Edmonton, I mean, there was a massive 24, 10, there was a, it, but it felt like there was a long delay in there. Like Edmonton didn't, feel like they were running up the score they probably could have i expected them to push a little bit further in the second half because but they didn't they just steady all the way through they didn't really score that many points in the second half and just held with it and it was like okay the rain delay affected both teams so i always have trouble like if anything it probably disrupted the elks momentum yes um more than i would assume that it would have disrupted yeah, i think they only so. got three points in the second half or something like that yeah so i, mean, I guess uh, there's I, an I feel argument. like they could have scored more but they weren't putting the hammer down and there's technically an argument that a west team there's a time zone advantage sort of playing in the east when there's a big delay yes. like that because it's so late at night in the east but like i just i i refuse to even acknowledge the argument that that no i don't think it had a but i just feel like it, it killed all the scoring momentum because no. i felt like that it was a you know, two touchdown win, but it was felt like way more. Yeah, the Tie Cats, where I they, there was no threat from the Tie Cat side. It just felt like they don't have anything going on. But on I either mean, side of the ball right now, they are on quarterback eleven at yeah, this point for the no, season. It's, so it's it's a bit like I remember with the I felt no. that way a little bit about the Red Blocks last year, where I was just like, as it cycled through quarterbacks and, and you know, they never right. really got a the foothold. And I, I just felt like it's not even fair for me to evaluate yeah, anything right now. It's, it's, and it, it's such a disappointment because two years ago, they were in the gray cup, went to overtime. They get the gray cup back two years later to be like, okay, we're going to get there. We're going to get another chance. We're going to get a hall of fame quarterback coming in as a, in a trade. And we're, and it just has gone the opposite direction this year and now they're going to go into bc this week and bc is going to be looking to get that bad taste out of their mouth and they're they're going to lay a stomping on the tie cats this the week. funny thing is is that they're three and six yeah and which is not even as bad as the calgary stampeders right now and i mean they're above the ottawa red blocks i think with the ottawa red blocks is you see signs of life yeah and like they lost a game and I, well, know, and the Red Blacks can score some points too. That's the that's difference. the thing. And I saw a debate out there somewhere about like, oh, did the Red Blacks collapse against the Alouettes or did the Alouettes? And it's like, I don't know, it's probably some combination of both. But yeah, I give the and Yang, but the Al's a, a bit of credit. And like, it's just the Tigers still have a chance of finishing in the top three at yeah, least. Uh, like, 
Yeah, they can. And I don't necessarily know that the fourth team in the in the West is going to be. No, you know, you can't count on a crossover being coming into the play. The problem right is the Ticats. I mean, I I will admit this in the intro. I thought that the Labor Day games in the East were a back to back, just like in my head. Oh, okay. and they're not this year. But oh, you know, okay. you, I haven't looked at the Ticats schedule versus the Stamps. It just it does feel like. Well, and Ticats still have one the Stamps at home, which will be a big game for that crossover standing. Assuming Bo's back. Yeah, hopefully. Be even bigger. Be nice. um, but yeah, I just, I, I feel that Ticats, like, their point differential is brutal. Um, yeah. Is it? Well, the Elks are the worst in the league, but it's considerably worse than the Red Blacks. Like, the Ticats one, are one, up one and four at home. It's is 78. Just they're a minus 78 in point differential and scoring differential. Uh, the Red Blacks are a minus 22, and the Stampeders are a minus 32, 42, 42, right? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know what that is. It's 43. 38. <laughs> 38. <laughs> Man, my dad to this podcast. It is going to be very disappointed at my math. Uh, <laughs> All I don't that know why money spent on that. education, and oh, you can't man. do the quick um, math? So, yeah. I mean, the Tigers, for me, they're just substantially worse than the than the two teams that they're probably going to be competing with for yeah. a playoff spot. Um, and their schedule coming up. Uh, being in BC this week just feels like it's going to get it's tough for that. Well, I was looking and I mean, let's, let's do what we always do and kind of look at the schedule. You got Montreal at Winnipeg. I'm really interested in that game. Signature game of the week. I, I, I suspect that what that's like, I, I don't have the line in front of me, but I would have the bombers as, as a comfortable favorite yeah. in that game. while also being like, this is a show me game. Yeah. And it looks like Claros will be back. He's been practicing. So, you know, you give the advantage to the bombers while also saying, well, the Alouettes have put up some good fights and have generally been close with whoever they've played. Yeah. Um, you had Calgary at Toronto. And Fajardo is supposed to be back for this game. He is supposed to be back for this game. So, so. both of their like, so when they're both top quarterbacks are coming back, it's kind of like, okay, throw this one into a blender because I don't know. Winnipeg last week, well, I mean, I get to see them in person for the first time this year. And I'm like, eh, they just didn't impress me at all. I mean, again, they're not playing with their top quarterback. So definitely. it's just that my thing with that is that the media was treating Drew Brown prior to that game right. like he was exceptional. Yes. So, and now I'm hearing, well, you only beat, or you only held Drew Brown to no touchdowns. So, and it's like, well, it's one or the other. I, I said this to Valentine. It's like, <laughs> is Drew Brown going to get himself a $400,000 a year starting contract next year? Or not? I mean, right. it just yeah. does feel like because the Stampeders lost, we're not going to talk about them in a positive light and nor should no. we, but, but it, it felt like they it felt well more the like the Stampeders lost than the Bombers won. That's the way it felt to me. Yep. Like I, I, I looked at that well seeing that game in person and just seeing the mistakes that the stamps were making the, the critical errors, the two missed field goals, a drop touchdown pass, the Luther Hacken event. And then I should have pick had six and, so, and then a pick six. And um, so and again, how many, we've said this, we said this a few weeks ago, how many games are you going to win with a, a pick, giving up a pick six? They've given up four this year. And like, you're not winning without touchdowns. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the San yeah. aren't scoring touchdowns right now. No. However, Dude, they haven't lost in Toronto since 2012. Did you cover the game? <laughs> I like, they lost in Toronto. July seventh, 2012. Did you cover that game in Toronto? July seventh, 2012. No. My daughter was born July third, 2012. Okay, so no. So I took these games off. I remember watching this game because, uh, if memory serves, Drew Tate got hurt, and they that's well why they ended up losing. Sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't look it up. I mean, Drew Tate got hurt early in the year, each of 2012 and 2013. And I believe that's like, it was the sec third or 
fourth game of the year, somewhere in that range. And like, of course it's like the start of stampede um, watching on TV. I've got a newborn baby. Da, 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 da. And uh, yeah. So I'm pretty sure Drew Chay got hurt in that game. Okay. Yeah. 39, 36 loss at Roger center. Right. They've now won eight straight. Uh, with victories coming in three different venues. Do you want to take a guess at the three venues? Well, the one would be Rogers Center. One would be their current BMO. stadium. And then didn't they play a game in Varsity Stadium? No. Or was it in uh, one of the Atlantic Stadium? It was Tim Hortons Field. Oh. Um, there was a scheduling issue at Rogers Center. Oh. This is all in the Stampeders press release. This isn't me oh, being okay. This is, I just, I'm pretty sure <laughs> this I read isn't this in the <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, here's the thing. This these would all been after I was covering it, uh, after I was traveling, so I wouldn't have remembered these things. There, yeah. Um, well, either way, look. There's. I, I think the stamps have. Yeah, they, and weirdly, well. when I was covering the team, they always did poorly in Toronto, like many many years. And that year, 2012, they they almost won that game. Sounds like it. Um, it was close. I remember Drew getting hurt. Kevin Glenn coming in. They were solid. They were fine. And then they just didn't pull it out at the end. But for many years, they were not very good in Toronto. And the people that around the team that, uh, that knew this would tell me, it was like, yeah, we've got a lot of guys from the Eastern part of the U S so their families are all coming up for these games when they're in Toronto. I was like, okay. So you're kind of like, everybody's distracted. You know, you're trying to get tickets. You're trying to accommodate, you know, I've got 15 family members coming up from, Albany, New York, or just an example. It's like, okay, so Toronto's close enough. So everybody from the Eastern part of US, the American guys would come and have their families up in there. And there'd be a lot of, you know, Canadian guys from Ontario as well. So it was always a big t thing to go to Toronto because it's a big center, a lot of people there. And it just felt like it was distracted. So the fact that they've cleaned that up and now haven't lost in 11 years there, that's a pretty interesting, cool. That's an interesting stat for what used to be the, Lower now maybe has switched yeah. the other direction. Yeah. They did lose, obviously, the 2016 Grey Cup in Toronto. And the 2012 Grey Cup in and Toronto. And the 2012 Grey Cup. But other than that, let's move on. I'm going to just throw a couple. Well, 2012 was Chris Jones was went from Calgary to Toronto, and he had their entire playbook yes. still, and he knew, knew exactly what Dave wanted to do on offense. I remember that vividly because that was the theme of the Grey Cup that year. Who's your MOP through 11 weeks? Ah, oh, still Chad Kelly for me. Is it? Yeah. Yes. I know there's a big debate between the top three is with you, you, Zach Coleros and, and Vernon Adams, but I consistent wise, I think Chad Kelly, how, how does the Toronto Argonauts had all three of their bye weeks already? How has that happened already, Danny? Oh, like the best team in the league by record has only played eight games Everyone else has basically played 10. It, <laughs> and now they've got 10 straight weeks of a game every week. So it's not great. It like when you, when you have three bye weeks, you should have one in the second half, one in the back half, and maybe one in the middle. Like if I put my conspiracy theory hat on, okay. It's that Toronto tends to be a city where people get out of town on the weekends. Um, okay. And that, that stadium is can be a little bit difficult to get to from out of town for a sort of seven o'clock start on a Thursday. So, uh, so they, yeah, potentially the league wanted well, to, they've only had like, was it three home games so far? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, according to, to you go back to the standings, you've been able to see how many home games they've had. It's, 
Um, yeah, they're four and zero at home. Four and zero at home, three and one on the road. So they're even so far. I I don't know. I, like you can throw in another road game in there. It's like, absurd that they've had three. Uh, <laughs> it's just bizarre. And you look covers... at the standings. It's like okay, everyone else is in their division has played nine or ten games. They're at eight, and well, they're going to catch up eventually. And you know. Yeah, good for like hopefully hopefully, for the St. hopefully they've stayed healthy up to this point of the year because it's going to be a grind down the stretch i can tell you that yeah so the chad kelly thing is interesting currently just looking at you know the pdf that the cfl produces in terms of league leaders we only have the top three but it does have jake mayer as uh the top receipt or passing yards uh quarterback and then vernon and zach yeah i'll be honest with you i think right now he's definitely zach mayor- is probably approaching uh number one for me um this is what i look at here rating i know and and it's six points better than zach right now 120.2 is an excellent qb rating i think that clearly no one has run away with it chad kelly is probably the favorite to be honest i think i look at brady Oliveira, 783 rushing yards he's been he's he's been pretty consistent he you know the problem is not a ton of rushing touchdowns there although i don't actually know because the, yeah. i only have the top he's, three and he's going to be <laughs> i don't have the top three i he's have tied be the top, at one yeah, rushing tied. touchdown james butler and chad <laughs> kelly then tied but a third several tied okay good job guys uh, uh well and Oliveira would be your leading candidate for canadian right now wouldn't you say I mean, bats has got to be in there. That would be a good Western division battle. That's I mean, for sure. it's interesting. Like when you look at, so let's was, just, let's just move on. Like, okay, let's stick with Canadian. I, I do think that, yeah, those two have to be your one and two. Yeah. Um, and that ultimately. That's be a divisional thing. It'll come down to not East versus West. It'll come down to the West division votal. Yeah. If anybody knows how the works, you vote for your team first, then you vote for your division second, and then you vote East versus West after that. That's just the way they do it. And it, there's some flaws in that system that lead to a lot of times where you're going to awards night and you know exactly who's won because yeah, it's pretty obvious. And I mean, I think, I think Oliveira has clearly established himself so far to me as sort of the league's elite running back. Uh, Kadeem Carey has been hurt, is not going to play this week. Yeah. Um, and they know that Dedrick Mills can step in and do well, the job. And- but that's, a you know, he, him and I think a lot of us generally are like, hey, it's Carey Stanback. But I, I think that Oliveira and Ulat, and to be fair, Jamal Morrow's having a, a good season too. But for yeah. me, Oliveira has has sort of separated himself. He gets those hard yards that I really well uh, and, respect. Yeah. And then, like, I saw him, honestly, against Calgary. It's always you see guys with your own two eyes and they're in yes. your, well, they get in your head. And this people. is exactly what I'm going to say is, with seeing him on Friday night in a rainy, gross weather game when it's like, okay, we're going to grind it out on the ground. The Stamps knew he was running the ball. He just ran through them uh, a lot. And he's played every game, and that's why he's got the most yards. There's something, like, as I used to say every year when Joffrey Reynolds would come in and never miss a practice and be there every game, it was like, health is a skill. It's a skill in football. And if you can go out there and be out there every single game, give a consistent effort and never let your team down in that respect, like then you'd have to worry about, you know, Olivera seems like one. He's just a workhorse. And yeah. that that is so valuable to have. And you can see it at the end of that game when they, they were driving down, they get that extra field goal. That was the difference in the game. Yeah, he's exceptional. Um, would have no problem with him as Canadian. And who knows? I mean, if yeah. he keeps up at 780, like he's almost at 800. And the the Bombers have played what? They've played 10 games? Yeah. So, you know, he has 16, 1700. Um, who knows? And they are 
I'm, I'm sure going to have lots of games where they run the ball heavily as it gets colder. I will say the Canadian, I do think it's him and probably Betts. Uh, yeah. 11 sacks for Betts. He'd had a couple of sort of slower weeks, although not he, really. He, he well, he, we had 10 in the first six, didn't he? And then, yeah. then he... And like against Calgary, he was getting to... to right, Jake, he just wasn't getting was the getting numbers. The yeah. ball, he was rushing him. Um, I, I do think that defensive is where it's going to become really, really interesting. I think that you are going to get, no matter what, a push. You know, Winnipeg media guys, I love them. They... they also will likely it'll be point all out. it'll be jefferson there well he, no but like they uh, the question is for me it's like that's has 11 jefferson has eight but then you look at jefferson has 10 pass knockdowns yes so he is like how disruptive is this guy is this guy <laughs> week in week out um and i, I do think that ac leonard we should also shout out he has nine sacks which is pretty impressive and then mike rose at defensive tackle having seven right is really impressive like there's a there's a ton of options here for me to be perfectly honest with you i have trouble for a defensive player not looking at that Jefferson, eight sacks, 10 pass knockdowns, and yeah. and seeing, like, Jake Mayer, after the game, said, he was like, guys, the difference in that game was that the, the Bombers' D-line tipped a couple <laughs> balls. Yeah. And he's like, there was one that well, Reggie would have extended a, a play, and then there was one, one down in the scoring zone Dukes yeah. near the end that he yeah. was like, would have extended the drive. And I, I, do, I don't think, like, we talk enough about knockdowns, but for me, I, I do have Jefferson well, on, on right your, now as my number one for defensive. Yeah. On your last episode, Eddie Steele gave a good breakdown, if you guys haven't heard that, of – exactly what Jefferson does on those plays. If it's like, okay, he, if he can't get to the quarterback, he's just going to get in the way of the quarterback and it's six foot seven. He just does. It's hard to like, when you're trying to throw over your offensive line, which is all these six foot four guys anyway. And then there's a six foot seven guy with his gigantic wingspan. And he's just putting up a tint of like, okay, kick, Throw it over me. Yeah. You heard, Good luck. You heard, Eddie. I tried so hard. I went to the Bombers media availability at the hotel yeah. when they got into Calgary. And I tried <laughs> so hard. It was like, to be honest, like, it was kind of gross by me. I was just trying to get him to talk about how amazing he is because, like, I love. See, and you're usually you go them into saying how terrible the other team is. Like, that's well, what. No, well, like, I'm not going to write a story. I, I also, you, you're always trying to get some banter going like you you were trying to stir some one of the best interviews i've ever had was at 2021 great cup where willie just talked about driving a garbage truck in the offseason yeah and how we how we was buying one and that was his like and it was fascinating one of the most interesting men i don't know i just wanted him to like sort of pour some some gas on the fire wouldn't do it and eddie Eddie was hilarious he's like yeah he won't say it to you yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah like he's on the field telling everyone else about it so um i don't think when it comes to talking CFL awards. I just haven't had the actual chance. I wanted to do sort of a segment just kind of actually talking about awards because, you know, we should... We're, we're halfway through the year, so this is the good time, right? Yeah. Um, I, I I don't have a damn opinion on special teams right now. I haven't paid <laughs> any attention. There, well, have the, been, there have just been so many returns. And the thing is, we've had some big returners, big returns, and then these guys haven't played consistently, right? That's yeah. the, Like, Alford had a couple of big games. I think he's probably leading in most of the offensive... or stat categories but again he's you know had two in one game so that like does one game a season make maybe not well yeah. alford's been i think i mean yeah. probably I, like, I don't know is it i don't think that a kicker has really separated himself this year no um so i, I think Alford. i mean has has had a good yeah lothar's had a good season sean in, white's at 96.6 percent, which is pretty decent uh, yeah and Castillo's he, at 95.8 we're looking at the numbers here look i i really think that at this point yeah now that you say it alford's got to be the Probably leading, yeah. Leading, but I like, I honestly think that one of the things that has made this year exciting in the CFL has been the special teams play. Yes. I think that we've seen, um, we've just seen it 
impact the stamps. They've lost games because of well, and then special teams touchdowns. They essentially had a, a good chance to win that game in Winnipeg because of a, a dropped punt return. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So special teams affects the games quite a bit. Yeah. And then offensive line, I don't know. That's we're, we're, we're just going to pretend that doesn't exist, Ian. <laughs> we're going to argue about that one all the time because you bailed me out huge by coming in today. But if you think I'm talking about most upstanding, no, I'm not line, worried about it. Right I now. don't. Um, and then I think for like rookie, this is like, yeah, Clark Barnes was such a, a candidate. And now he's well, going to be out. Austin from the Mack is leading the CFL in receiving art. I just, and I, I just got to write Lucas and ask. I don't know if he's a rookie. I have his Wikipedia up here. Did he, he suit up in a he, game? He played one game. He, um, a regular season game he got one pass for one yard yeah he made his nfl debut um, in a regular season game then he's, yeah. he's not a rookie so he's, he's, he's a first year cfler not technically yeah, a rookie played, as soon as you play one game in the nfl he's played two games in the nfl so well yeah. that's too bad because austin mack uh would clearly be the best sort of first year first year right yeah now. uh clark Barnes was running the, away with it clark Barnes is not going to be back so we gotta we gotta figure that out, and then it's to be honest, something that I am going to reach out to Lucas and say, hey, you might give us a we, little bit of a yeah, give us our list. But by, by this time, they should have a good sense of the list of what it they do, and they always do like well in advance of. Yeah. this is not something I'm criticizing the CFL. No, no, well it's, it's something that it's more for chatter purposes because we we have had years in the past where we talked about a guy all year, like oh, he's a great candidate for, and it was like oh yeah, no, three years ago he played he special teams on one in one NFL game and he doesn't qualify. That was a nice thing about Dalton Schoen last year. By this time last season, we were all like, oh, it's Dalton Schoen, and there's no debate here. Yeah. <laughs> Someone guarantee he's a rookie. He's a rookie. We're good to go. Okay. Dalton Schoen's winning that award. Never is <laughs> never never played in an NFL game. He doesn't have an NFL jersey. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we basically have I mean, we've gone over this weekend's games, um, gone over the situation. Not too extensively, but it uh yeah, to me, like the the Ottawa Edmonton game of interest for yeah. us here in Calgary because of the the crossover effect and what happens with Edmonton, you want, as, as a I said this a few weeks ago, you want this, you want the Edmonton team to come in having a couple of wins and feeling good about themselves on Labor Day. So then maybe you can take them down a peg. That's what you would want. Well, you said specifically, you said a couple of weeks ago, you were like, you want Edmonton to lose before Labor. Yes. You don't want No, them. no, they want you want yeah. them to win before Labor or Day. Win, win. Yes, and you would be nice if they won at home before the Labor Day rematch. So both of those things have to happen before Labor Day. And if that both of them happen, then you feel okay, well, if they do sweep them, it's not going to be like if the Stamps sweep the Elks, then you wouldn't say oh, okay, it's not it's understandable. Yeah. Guys, what are you doing tonight? I don't know what you're doing tonight. You're probably looking for something. Guys, you got to go check out Mike's Pub. This is probably my favorite pub in the city, 1330 15th Avenue Southwest, right in the Beltline. Honestly, they do it all. I, for years, played trivia on Wednesday nights at Mugs. It's the best trivia night in the city. Other nights, they got music. They got specials every single night. Some of the best food and drink specials in the entire city are at Mugs Pub. You want wine. You want beer. You want cocktails. They got it all. Big fan of their fish and chips. They got some amazing pizza. You want to watch the game? They got TV screens. You want to just have a drink with friends? Perfect spot to do it. You want to have some food? As I said, it's delicious. Mugs Pub. We love having them as a sponsor. We love having them just down the road from us here at our studios. Check out Mugs Pub. They're the best. All right, Ian. We had a little bit of an edit there. We are now 
<laughs> gonna leave the podcast i do want to thank both yourself honestly man you you came in uh last minute and super helped me out here i really really appreciate it uh it was always great having you on and, i appreciate uh, uh always being thought of yes That's... we you are you honestly you're the best and i really do appreciate it i want to thank ryan valentine for taking time from his vacation to pop in and uh yeah i want to thank all of our listeners as well as mugs pub uh we do love it there and uh our good friends at Razor and Fig. Guys, uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the games. Fun, fun slate of games on the schedule. I did not say that correctly, but we got through it. I'm Great gonna... slate of games this week. Exactly. And then next week's Labor Day. So uh, next week's the big one. Next week's the fun one. We're going to have as much fun as possible talking about it and covering it. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Mugs. Thanks, everybody. Yay!